most of the best spreads we've made have been through multifamily, first yeah. of all, right? So oh, yeah. they can be really good deals if you can get them six-figure the right wholesale, six right? Six-figure wholesale yeah. fees, right? So I definitely think a wholesaler should seriously consider marketing to, to multifamily, right? Mm-hmm. Welcome to this video, guys. I have Clay Rockwood. Clay, yeah. how are you? Good. How are you doing, Jerry? Glad to have you back on the channel. Excited to talk to you about today's topic. Guys, if you, if you haven't uh, previously, Clay was on the channel. He focuses primarily on multifamily. Also do some mobile homes now, mm-hmm. which is exciting. And I'm really excited to talk to you, Clay, about uh, how to wholesale multifamily. Mm-hmm. Um, you've had some wholesalers bring you some great deals. And uh, I have wholesalers all the time ask me, hey, I got this four unit or I got this eight unit deal. I don't know who to take this to. I don't really know how to value this thing or how to underwrite this deal. And I thought this would be a great topic. How do you underwrite? How do you evaluate or analyze a multifamily? You know, you're going to run across duplexes and fourplexes and eight units and sometimes bigger ones, right? Yeah. As a wholesaler, you're going to run into these projects. Even if you're not strategically looking for them, they're going to come across your plate. And to be able to look at that deal, know what makes it a deal, and then bring that to an investor that like, like Clay, who's buying and holding a lot of multifamily, that would be a great, you know, that'd be a great strategy to learn how to do. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And what's cool, or I guess not even cool, what's different about multifamily is you're looking at the income, right, rather than the appraised value so much. Yeah. And that's a big transition for a lot of single family resident wholesalers. Yeah. So anyway, maybe talk to us a little bit about <clears throat> what does that underwriting criteria look like? You as a buyer who, who's always buying multifamily and you're working with some wholesalers, how can they kind of bring those deals to a buyer like yeah. you? Yeah, that's a great question. I think that's a very common question I've gotten from people, that either wholesalers or guys that are wanting to get into mm. the multifamily space or just buying rentals. Because, yeah, it is a different world than, than single family, right? Single family, it's mostly you know comparing apples to apples. Like, okay, my neighbor's house sold for X. I know mine could sell for, you know, sell mm-hmm. for this. But in, in the commercial world, and it really is based off of income and expenses in your net operating income. So... To simplify it, I mean, the, the easiest way to underwrite a deal and figure out financing and all that kind of stuff is to look at what is the income mm-hmm. it produces, right? So just the gross income, the rents every month, you add all that up, pet income, any other income that property produces, you take that total number, that gross, then you minus out all of the expenses. And those expenses could include property management fees, um, any maintenance fees, things mm-hmm. like that. A lot of times you wouldn't exclude uh, taxes or insurance or the mortgage payment. That depends on how you're mm. underwriting the deal. But, yeah. but basically, yeah, you take the income, you minus the expenses, and that'll give you a number, which is the net operating income. So. And would you say that it's it's fair to say that typically you're going to look at 30 to 40% as an operating expense? Does that yeah. sound about that's, right? Yeah, that's yeah, that's super important because a lot of people are like, hey, I have no idea how much the expenses are going to be or even sometimes you're buying it from a mom and pa who hasn't really kept good records, so you have mm-hmm. no idea what they've been operating yeah. prior, right? So, but yeah, we we typically go on a smaller size unit like that, you know, anywhere from, you know, two to let's say 20, 30, 40 unit type properties. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the average you could say is a 30 to 40% expense good. ratio. Good, good. That's how I like to look yeah. at it too. So what you'll, so, so you take your gross income, Subtract out these expenses. What's left there? Those expenses should be falling in, in the in the thirty to forty. So exactly. And then why that's important is I have uh, I have people bring me multifamily deals sometimes, and I look at them, and I'm like, you have a fifteen percent operating expense or a twenty percent operating expense. Yeah. You're missing some expenses there. Yep. 
And you know, like that's not really going to be accurate. Yeah. And you see that a lot, especially with the, the mom and pa operators, yeah. right? They're like, oh, well, my expenses are only 10% a year. It's yeah. like, well, either you're not managing it properly, you're, you're mismanaging it, you're, you're not reinvesting into the property. So meaning you're not fixing things that should be fixed. You're not maintaining it well. So there's going to be a much higher cost down the road, right? As, a, as kind of just like a, a pretty good rule of thumb, 30 to 40%, mm-hmm. then, you, then that number is your net operating income. Yeah. And that number does not represent your, your net cash flow because you have debt service. Yeah, you have your mortgage payment, taxes, insurance on top of that. So yeah. you have to factor that in. But that net operating income is the number that's going to help you get to a value yeah. of what this property is worth or yep. could be worth, right? Yeah. And those are two different things. You know, because again, if you're just looking at it, what is it worth now based off how it's currently operating? Well, that could be drastically different than what it will be worth once it's operating correctly, right? Right. So those are two two kind of different things. Yeah. But when you're underwriting a deal, it's important to gather all that information from the seller if they have it. You know, we call it the T12 or the trailing 12-month financials. Like mm-hmm. you kind of see those operating expenses month by month, what their income has been. And so it gives you kind of a good picture over a 12-month span to see, okay, how is this property operated? And once you have that net, you know, net operating income, then it's basically just simple math. Yeah. It's taking that net operating income and you divide it by a cap rate. Now for those, cap rate. For those who don't know what yeah. a cap rate is, yeah. right? Um, I'm trying to keep this short and concise because yeah. it can get kind of complicated. But uh, cap rate is basically how commercial real estate is valued, right? So let's say you ask a commercial real estate broker, and I'm huge on leverage. So I, I think a lot of people can even hear what we're saying, and, and maybe this starts going over the head a little bit, and yeah. they get a little frustrated. But the best thing to do is, is use other people's experience, right? So get a good mortgage broker or a good uh, commercial broker that can help you kind of know some of these numbers. So for example, here in Salt Lake, let's say I'm looking at a property. It's a 10 unit apartment complex. I want to figure out what other properties are selling for on a cap rate basis. Mm -hmm. That's just how it's almost like comparables on a single family home. It's the same concept. And cap rate is just the return on investment if you were to buy that asset. Exactly. What is your return on your investment? Exactly. So cap rates are going to be drastically different neighborhood to neighborhood, state by state, city to city, right? So uh, what I would do and what I still do is I call up a good broker Mm -hmm. that I know. He sells a ton of multifamily, right, in the neighborhood. And I say, hey, you know, what if, if I were to buy this property, what would it sell for? What are the going cap rates in the area? You know, here in Utah, it could be anywhere from 4 to 6% cap rate, right? Mm-hmm. That could be low. Some, some markets are much higher than that. Uh, basically, the, the, what you do is you take your net operating income and you divide that by the cap rate. Mm-hmm. So let's say it's a 5% cap rate. You take your NOI, your net operating mm-hmm. income, divide that by that 5%, 5%. and that'll spit out a number. And yeah. that is theoretically what that property is worth based off of the income. Yep. That makes sense, guys. That's actually... It's actually not very complicated. Yeah. It's pretty simple. Once you know way. that formula, it's it's really just simple math. Simple math. Right? What's your net operating income before debt service mm-hmm. divided by the going cap rate in that market, exactly. that area market? Because they're going to look at and also also the condition is going to play. Because if it, yeah, you know, it could be a could be an A plus neighborhood, but poor condition. Mm-hmm. So anyway, you're going to want to come to a cap rate, yeah. and it's kind of if so when you hear six cap or a five, a five cap rate, yeah. basically what that's saying is it's saying. If they bought it for that number, the NOI would equal 5% return on their money. Exactly. That's what cap rate means. Yeah. And it's kind of weird to think, man, someone would buy something to get a 4% cap rate. But yeah, they would because they're looking at all the other advantages such as yeah. depreciation, you know, the tax advantages and all the other things. So 
So learning that's really important. Yeah. And I, and I think an important thing too, is to realize that cap rate, you know, again, we've bought very, very low cap rates, meaning yeah. bad deals, right? Yeah. Well, why is that? Because again, the owner made, he haven't, hasn't raised rents for 20 years or he's, he's mismanaging the property. So we look at it kind of on a performa basis too. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, yeah, maybe we're buying this for this price that doesn't make financial sense based off the NOI and the cap rate. But if we can operate this better, if we can raise rents even by $50 a unit or $100 a unit, you can see how that can can drastically affect the the future value of the property. Yeah. I mean, if you're talking about a 100-unit apartment complex, raising rents by $50 a month, that that literally can equal millions of dollars in value. Right. It, so, you know, as you start doing that math, and that's what I tell people that are just trying to learn this, trying to get into the game, I'd say the best thing to do is just start running those numbers, even mm-hmm. on a hypothetical basis. Yeah. Just go take a property that's listed on the MLS. Talk to the broker, ask them about what are the expenses, what is the income, figure out the NOI, and just yeah. kind of go through that process. You do that a few times, you kind of get a handle for like, oh, okay, I see how, see how this works, and I can, I can start understanding how these properties are valued. One of the calculations I look at is, okay, what's my cap I'm buying at, mm. and then what's the market cap? And that difference is your is your equity, really. Yeah. It's your spread that you could potentially make. Exactly. If you were to buy it here and then sell it here, you got to factor in any any value add. Yeah. So like in Puerto Rico right now, I'm doing hotels, which follows very similar model mm-hmm. as multifamily because it's it's doors, right? It's yeah. rooms. You're gonna look at how you in the income is a little different because it's nightly versus you know monthly, but mm-hmm. it's basically the same model. Yeah. And uh, and. And so most of the deals I'm looking at are like vacant and they need big value add. Yeah. So, but the whole key to the whole thing is creating a pro forma. So future value Mm -hmm. and then trying to understand, you know, if I dump a million dollars into this boutique hotel, what's the going cap rate in the neighborhood? Mm -hmm. Take that cap rate with my NOI. That's going to tell me the value. If I wanted to sell it, what's the, what's that value going to be? And that's where you kind of start to create these big margins yeah, on exactly. deals. Yeah. You know, it's really cool. Yeah. Um, but like when I first got started, like wholesaling, all of that kind of seems so overwhelming. And then the more I kind of played around with it, I'm like, okay, I get it. We're going to take gross income minus expenses, net operating income, divide that by the going cap rate, gives me my value. Yeah. And way different than comping properties. Yeah. Oh, right? totally. Yeah. Totally different. And I, and again, I was the same way. It was yeah. kind of all over my head. I'm like, this is just really complex, like kind of next level stuff. But again, I think, I think a really good place to start and where I started, you know, even talking about the income, because we're talking about, okay, we'll take the income. It's like, well, I don't even know what rents could be. Mm-hmm. Like, what is a, what is a two bed apartment rent for in this neighborhood? Yeah. How do I know? Yeah. Right. Well, again, leverage the experience of someone else. So get a good property manager. Yep. You know, that, Get, I'd say get two or three people that you can call mm-hmm. that are kind of on your team, right, to help you. So that's what I do. You know, when, we, when we're looking at a deal, even out of state, because we buy out of state now, right? And that's even harder because I don't live there. I don't know the market potentially. I call a great property manager that's local. I say, hey, I'm looking at this building. What does a two-bed, one-bath apartment go for? Or what mm-hmm. should it go for if it's in mm-hmm. decent condition? And they'll tell you. They'll, a lot of times they'll, they'll send over a whole... Their own pro forma of like, hey, the rents are this, comparables are this, right? So you get a good property manager, you get a good mortgage broker, you get a good commercial broker. Like a lot of these people can basically run all those numbers for you. Yeah. And, right? and some of this data is available too. Like uh, Zillow's rent estimator is yeah. pretty good. I mean, rent meter there's all. Yeah, yeah there's, there's all a lot of tools. Of so, so what you're saying though is 
you can gather this information. It's pretty readily available yeah. if you just research in that area what those numbers are. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. So, okay. So now that you've got your NOI, your cap rate, um, what makes a deal? Like, let's say that you run those numbers, you understand the NOI, you understand the, the average cap rate in the area, and you want to bring that deal now to you. Mm-hmm. What What is a buyer looking for in those numbers and the spreads in the cash flow to make that a deal so yeah. that they know, okay, well, if I were to tack on a wholesale fee, what number do I need to bring this at where Clay's going to like this deal? Yeah. I mean, in our experience, when, you know, with our, whole, our own wholesale deals we've sold, most of the best spreads we've made have been through multifamily, first yeah. of all, right? So oh, yeah. they can be really good deals if you can get them six the figure right wholesale, six right? figure wholesale yeah. fees, right? So I definitely think a wholesaler should seriously consider marketing to, to multifamily, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, figuring out what your fee could be, again, you, you want to bring value to the table, mm-hmm. just like any other deal, right? Like, I want to get this under the current market value. So if everything in the neighborhood is selling for five, five caps, you know, 5% cap rate, and I can get this for a seven cap. Mm-hmm. Again, it's an inverse function. A lot of people yeah. are confused by that. The higher the cap rate, the better the deal, basically. Yeah. So if I know I can go in and buy this at a seven or eight cap, well, I, I can almost guarantee I could sell this to some local group or some local investor that buys this type of property for a five or a six cap, right? Mm-hmm. So there's there's a spread in there and you can kind of figure out that number. And a lot of times you just, you kind of feel it out with buyers and say, hey, if I brought this 10 unit to you, what, you know, what, what are you guys paying right now? Price per door. That's a lot of, a, a, a simple metric we use a lot is price per door. Mm. Again, dividing it out. Just saying, sounds- yeah, like, Hey, what is, you know, okay, this is a $2 million property. Okay. Well, what is the price per door? Okay. That's $150,000 per door. Well, we're buying stuff for 130,000 a door in this area. It, so it's it, just a quick and dirty. It's making things apples to apples, yeah. right? It's almost exactly. like um, I, in, in my new construction projects, we use price per square foot yeah. with everything. What, what can I sell it for price per square foot? What's it going to cost me price per square foot? Mm-hmm. So you're basically taking everything and you're condensing it into a per something. Yeah. And so then like investors in that area, they have in their head, a deal is this much a door. Yeah, exactly. So, now I can hear like if someone brings me a deal, I'll just do the quick math. Yeah. Okay, 50 units, divide that by the purchase price. Okay, that's 170,000 a door. Hey, that's a good deal. Uh, it's worth because I bought, you know, five other properties. Or I've looked at multiple other properties and everything's selling for 200 a door, right? So could a wholesaler say, "Hey Clay, you know, I'm looking at this deal. I'm working with the seller on a contract. What's your price per door in this area?" Yep. And that's you a, say, you know, 100 or whatever it is. Yeah. And they know, "Man, if I get this thing for, you know, 98 a door times so many doors, yeah, I just I know I've got a deal now. Exactly. That's a down and yeah. dirty easy way to Super do it. Super easy way without you having to like learn everything and understand the whole market. It's just like price per door. It makes it so simple. one way would be cap rate, and you create a spread. So if if Clayton's willing to pay a five cap and you get it at a six cap, mm-hmm. the difference would could be a your yeah, fee, your wholesale fee, your exactly. wholesale fee. That's one way. Mm-hmm. Second way you said is just learn the per door number that investors yeah. are are doing. Yep, right. Exactly. That's another number, way to do it. Um, what about creative? So creative, if you were to get the deal with creative terms, sometimes that creates a premium to your buyer because now they take it to you and you're like, great, I don't have to raise as much money. I don't have yeah. my entry fees lower. I don't have to go get bank financing. Yeah. Maybe I'll pay a little more for the, for the opportunity to have little to no money in. Yeah. That also creates some kind of unique. Oh yeah. Especially now, especially in the market we're in currently where you know, interest rates are high. Mm-hmm. In fact, most of the deals I'm seeing that are getting done are all creative. All finance. creative, yeah. I mean, 
people have just had to, they've had to shift to that, right? Yeah. Because it just doesn't make sense otherwise. So mm-hmm. yeah, if you can work out even just not amazing terms, but just yeah. any terms Decent. of a seller that's willing <laughs> to hold or carry the note yeah. or loan assumptions, things like yeah. that. That, yeah, I can almost, you know, guarantee you that if you can work out a deal where your rate is lower than what they'd go get on a bank, then you're going to be able to sell that deal. There's mm-hmm. a ton of people that, I, I'll just say this, there's a lot of cash out there that's waiting for deals. Mm. A lot of big groups, a lot of institutional money that's waiting still to buy deals, but they just, if, if you can bring the terms to them, right, from a seller, just like you would on a single family, yeah, there's there's definitely going to be buyers and, for that. And people forget, you know, like when it comes to, the hardest deals to do creative finance, I would say, are single family residents because there's such a, there's such a ready buyer for that property. But when you get into some non-traditional things like multifamily or land, uh, creative terms, sellers are way more open to yeah. creative terms. People don't even realize, like, just offer, just say, Hey, are you open to some creative terms? And you'd be amazed at how many sellers are open to it. Yeah. There's yeah. advantages for them with taxes as well oh, yeah. and a cash out and so many reasons why you could put a creative deal together. Yeah. And a lot of times you can, I mean, it's just much more normal in that space, in yeah. the commercial space for sellers to do that. A lot of times you can even bring a seller in to partner with you on the deal mm-hmm. and say, hey, instead of me bringing all this cash to pay you, why don't you just roll your roll this as equity in the deal and you know stay as mm-hmm. a partner. So like, there's so many ways yeah. you can get I'm creative. I'm doing that exact thing. So I've got uh, two hotel deals. They're both 30 unit buildings in old San Juan that I'm trying to put together and the seller is willing to participate with me in the deal. And cause he's already got, he already owns the buildings mm-hmm. and he's got some, a lot of leverage. And then I would bring in some cash and together we would partner on this deal. Yeah. And so there's a little, you know, it's gotta make sense obviously, but we're, we're in the process right now of trying to make that synergy work. Yeah. But it's amazing because these are really nice properties and I would be able to get into a deal without a lot of money. Yeah. Right. And that's, yeah, that's just a creative way where the seller stays in the deal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So just starting to think outside the box. So we'll put some links below, guys, if you want to learn more about the multifamily world, how to how to acquire, how to flip, how to really start to learn that type of uh, business model. Um, and what are you guys up to now, like as of we this have, recording? Uh, 700 doors. 700 doors. Yeah. yeah. And when... How long ago, I'm curious, was your first multifamily? I mean, technically, my first was a triplex back in 2012. But again, I, it took me eight years to go from zero doors to 12 doors. What about eight years from when you said, okay, I'm going to make this a thing and start to acquire multifamily? It's been five years. Yeah. But really, like, again, it, it, it just snowballs and it compounds, like you said. Like, the more you learn, the more you know, the more your connections and your network, oh, yeah. it it literally just like skyrockets. Yeah. I mean, you could now land one more deal and it'd be another 700 and you just doubled because you're at the point now where you've got momentum and in real estate moment, I mean, your greatest asset is building momentum Mm -hmm. because then you get bigger deals, bigger spreads. They come faster. They come easier because you've, you've just created that snowball down the hill right now. Brokers are bringing you deals because they know you close, you know. Yeah, all the things start to happen, but it started with one, you know, triplex. Exactly. So guys, we'll put the links below and make sure you check out uh, that and and some of the education you're doing too. It's it's really great. So we'll put that. And and again, thank you, Clay. Appreciate you guys. We'll see you on the next video.